Okay, we're going to get right on to our next two farms. We're going to move up in scale a little bit to a seventh of an acre. Alan Seiler is going to share, and then Larry Lesher. And I know you'll be blessed. So let's go ahead and start with a, a word of prayer for the second part, and uh, then we'll start talking about some farming, some more about farming. <laughs> Dear Father in heaven, we just want to thank you for this day, for this time that we get to be here. Um, we just pray that uh, we'll be able to learn much and be able to apply it, not just hear about it in our own experience. In your name we ask, amen. So, uh, one of the things that you're going to hear us talk about over the course of this presentation is small, simple, small, simple, small, and simple. Basically, that's what, that is a, a main part of our operation right now. Um, so I'm currently 20 now, and uh, I started my love for agriculture when I was 14 years old, so around 2008 time frame, and uh, found a Black & Decker gardening book in my grandma's garage. And I'd done a little gardening before, but you know, looked at this book, and it starts talking about, oh, you're actually supposed to fertilize your soil? Ah, that's a novel idea. Plants actually take things out of the soil. Hmm, <laughs> who would have thought? Anyways, so... Um, Next off, uh, we went to a family camp together with Dysingers, and I met um, John Dysinger's uh, brother, Uncle Edwin. I, I call it Uncle Edwin, Uncle John, because uh, anyways, so I started asking him a lot of questions. What about this? What about this? My book didn't cover this. And he's like, no, d don't ask me all these questions. You need to buy these books. Okay. Especially this one. This book was incredibly helpful, okay? And in uh, another book called The... Four Seasons Harvest, written by the same author. Um, great books. Um, great for small growers wanting to get into it. But I really, when I started out, I really uh, enjoyed his Four Seasons Harvest book more than his other book. But it's amazing. I was a really poor reader, and, uh, but no one wanted to, uh, you know, my sister used to read me books and stuff, and that was great because I loved listening. Um, but... Uh, no one I didn't want to read agriculture books to him. No one wanted to read anything on agronomy, you know. <laughs> Too bad. So I had to read, and I learned how to read. So <laughs> a lot better. I did know how to read, but not very well. Anyways, um, so read those books, applied it, and then when I turned 18, I went to uh, Dysinger's um, six-month internship in Tennessee, which is very close to here, which hopefully they're going to start it up here again soon sometime. I think that's a part of the plan. But uh, anyways, dad and mom are like, well, if you're going to want to do this for an occupation in the future, you better, you know, go and see if you want to do something like this. So we had uh, a very fiery trial when we first got there. It was 114 degrees in the middle of July. And I remember wheel hoeing in the sweet potato field and taking my shirt off and just like, you know, Maybe, maybe. <laughs> it's like December's coming. Okay. <laughs> so, but anyways, uh, poor Nick, he was, he was a video person at Weimar working on a computer, and I felt really bad for him coming to the farm the first week and working outside in 114. That was quite a stretch. I think we both sat down and cried after that week. I don't know. <laughs> anyways, so um, after Die Singers, came back home, and uh, our land, we never purchased it for agriculture. It was, I mean, who does? I, well, some people do, but we didn't. Um, so it was very rocky, very rocky soil, and not a lot of area to grow, but we worked on getting rocks out, and uh, still are. Um, but 
you know, that acreage, uh, kind of like what I said in my devotional, was a great place to start because it forced us to be small. You couldn't just plow up a half an acre and say, we're going to plant. It's like you got to get the rocks out of it before you can plant in it kind of thing. And we're talking rocks, okay? Yeah, and that, that's, not, that's not like a rock that I'm digging around to pop it out of the soil. That's like the top of an iceberg. You see what I'm saying? That probably goes two miles down into the ground. We live in a very rocky part of Oklahoma, okay? But here's, here's the key. Small, 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 small. You don't have any idea, even the questions to ask when you get involved, okay? You run into things that, so for instance, I bought some compost this year, put it on my soil. Part of the cucumber problem that I mentioned was... Uh, it had over 1,500 parts per million of soluble salts in it. Well, if anyone knows about soluble salts at 35 pounds, tons per acre, <laughs> uh, it gets very salty in a greenhouse. And basically, it was killing the plants, the salt in that compost. I didn't even know what soluble salts were, okay? I should have. I guess I should have known. But things like this that you just don't know to ask. Um, and this is a great reason why you want to start out small, because you're going to make so many mistakes so many mistakes, yeah, <laughs> a lot of mistakes that uh, you really, you don't know them until you do it, and then uh, if you do it on a small scale, it's not going to cost you a lot. So um, on our operation, we, we started getting a little bigger. I mean, we're not really big. One-seventh of an acre isn't huge in the big scheme of things, but um, what are we doing time-wise? Yeah, Dad's supposed to time. Okay. So, um, anyways, we uh, started off, what do I want to say here? Uh, basically, my own finances going into the farm. Then this last year, um, Dad actually invested in the farm about $20,000 to get it up and going. That's seed house, that's wash house, uh, that's just basic equipment to become a little bit more efficient in what you're doing. You want to keep some of the pictures going over here? So um, those are some of the greenhouses we did. We use ridge vents on our greenhouses, um, which is very critical in Oklahoma when it goes over 100 degrees for a good portion of the season. Uh, it really helps pull the air through the house. Um, but when you're, you know, I don't know, one of the biggest challenges that we've come up against, even talking to other people starting in agriculture, is how do you financially do it if you don't have someone like your dad backing you? That's a big hurdle, it's very difficult to do it if you're not doing it that way. In our case, I have that. For those that don't, I'm still trying to figure it out because I have friends that don't have that. And uh, how do you actually start this? And we're not even up to a size that we can financially live off of. This one-seventh of an acre is just an experimental plot right now. It's kind of like college for me in a way. But um, this year, um, we, on one-seventh of an acre, we grossed uh, 19,300 off of one-seventh of an acre, which comes out roughly to uh, $3.60 $3 a square foot, which is really, on a small operation, is really what you're looking at. You wanna, you're, you're not working on acres, what I get per acre. You're really looking at what can I get from this crop per square foot because you're not growing a ton of it. Um, but I wanna, we want to move over now into the, um, on how we're currently starting to market um, our product because that is, you know, all of us here are talking about, you know, how we're doing our, our production, but um, I want to, we want to move over right now into uh, 
into the marketing side of things as far as, because we, where we live in Oklahoma is uh, cattle country and oil country and people eat McDonald's and Taco Bell and all this type of stuff. So we really have to build our market up from the ground up. There are no farmer's markets where we are. I mean, you sit at a farmer's market for five hours and you sell a few dollars and it's just not worth it. So we've started doing an online uh, a marketing system and I'm gonna have Aubrey talk about this uh, for a bit here. Uh, so my name is Aubrey. I am the oldest of the two uh, Siler kids. And I never had any intention whatsoever of being involved in farming. Um, I'm actually a videographer by profession, and so I spend most of my time sitting, which is uh, one of the most dangerous things that you can do. I like to consider that I live life on the edge in my chair. Actually, no, I hate, I hate sitting. So farming has been very good for me, and uh, the last couple years since I moved back from California, I have been very involved in the farm. Uh, Somehow, because I do video work, a lot of people think that I can do all sorts of other technological wonders, which is not the case. So the whole website and that side of the farm has been a huge learning curve for me because it's a completely different language. Um, so what we actually do is we decided this year to, um, to get involved in a CSA, a Community Supported Agriculture, which basically means that you accept money at the beginning of your season and you promise to provide a certain amount of food to people for that duration of the season. And um, we explored two different ways. I mean, since we're starting out and there's nobody else doing this where we live, like nobody else doing this where we live, uh, we decided that, well, we could experiment in different areas and, you know, we're learning. So it's a, it's a learning experience for everyone. And the way we actually did it last year was we called people on a weekly basis and collected their orders. And first of all, I hate talking on the phone. So that was just like, this is not sustainable whatsoever. And <laughs> neither is having to call people week after week after week and it's just ridiculous. So my cousin is a, um, is a computer guru. He builds websites and he helped us uh, create a basic website, which basically works like an online store. And this year we've taken it two different directions. For our, we call our CSA a farm friend share. People that are CSA members are our farm friends. And they can do two, one of two things. They can either have us build their box for them. So we look at the beginning of the day and we say, okay, this is what we'll put in their box. Da, 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 da. Or they can build their box themselves by going to the website and selecting from the web page. And I had it here. Let's see if I can pull it up. I do not. We have built the website from scratch. It is actually a WordPress template. And we've linked it in with a plugin called e-commerce and a bunch of other things that I don't really understand. And it works. Hallelujah. Um, so it works just kind of like you would any other online store if you're familiar with the process. Um, we've, we've done all the photography ourselves, and just this is it. So you can go, you can select I want eggplant, you add it to your cart, and that's how you build your share if you'd like to. Then this is the tricky part, and this is the part that I am the most responsible for and I'm most frustrated with. Um, I have to then take their invoices and manually import it into a spreadsheet, which then becomes our harvest sheet, and then um, we harvest it and 
Um, at one point, we were actually building everybody's orders and taking it to pick up so that when people came, they picked up their order and that was it. Now we put everything out on a spread and when people come in, we build their order for them based off of the spreadsheet. And there is such room for error in this, which just gets me sometimes. But it's worked this year. And I am looking for ways to make it a lot more smoother, a lot more smooth next year so that I can start eliminating the manual part of it. Because boy, when people are involved, it's just like a big problem. Um, but God's been good, and it's worked. And people have been um, very happy this year. We, um, our farm friend share is actually $15 a week. Most people like to do, as I've noticed, between $20 to $25. We feel that because of where we live and because people, I mean, seriously, folks, we are an exception of an exception of an exception. Most of us eat more vegetables in a week than everybody else out there. You know, so the fact that people can get $15 worth of produce and be like, oh, I don't know if I can eat all of this. It's just like, really? <laughs> That's lunch for our family. Um, so we're really having to try to adjust our mind to um, the culture around us because people don't understand vegetables. People don't understand how that works. And so we've started off with $15 a weekly share because we feel like that's something that people can say. Most people can say, I can do this, and I can commit to not only paying this for the season, but eating this much vegetables. Because we also have, the, if there's too much, and people go, well, I don't feel like I can, can do this because I don't eat enough, and then I feel like I'm wasting it. You know, So this is just kind of what we've been learning this uh, through this season. Um, then you have those foodies out there who like walk out with $50 worth of produce every week. And we love those people. You know, we love everybody, but those people are just like, oh, you know, kindred spirits. So that's how the, that's how the uh, CSA um, share works. Um, we also have the opportunity to do an online market, yes? Oh yes, okay, so this is an interesting thing. And this is a question in our minds whether this is actually sustainable because having people build their own box does take more work on our side. You know, it's not like, oh, we know exactly what we're gonna harvest and we, so we can harvest early and, you know, it's like we harvest the morning of, wash, and we're very, <laughs> we're very um, meticulous. I have noticed, because we've been visiting farms the last month, and most people don't wash their vegetables as much as we wash our vegetables. Like, we try to, we, my brother. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Yes. Hallelujah. So we, we wash a lot. So it's a lot of work, you know, to have to get everybody's orders in and then calculate everybody's orders, and then you kind of see how technical it gets. But 80% of the people chose to choose their own share. Does that make sense? So people like the ability to be able to pick what they get in their box. So it's still uh, under debate whether or not this is something that we can continue doing. It's worked this year. I'm still working on the technological side to see if we can make it work even better next year because we really do like to give people the option. I mean, it's something that we would like if we were involved in something like this. So we're trying to you know, it's a learning experience. So if we can do it, that's what we're going for. Um, I have explored um, a company called Farmigo, and I like how they work. They're a CSA software-based program. I like how it works, but so far, 
because we have two components to our farm, we have the CSA share, and then we also have what's called a general, general market share, which means these people don't have to pay up front, and they get the leftovers from what the CSA didn't order. So we have it set up so that CSA have special access to the website, and then after a certain time, their special access is over and it's open to the public. Does that make sense? So there's a general store, and then there's like a special priority access to use online terms. So that's kind of how it works. Farmigo doesn't have the ability to just have a general market access without some sort of commitment or, so we're kind of, I'm trying to work through that, but that's, that's basically how it works. So people come twice a week. We have one share in one town and then one share in another town. It's split up. Monday is one order, Thursday is another order, and people come during one hour in the afternoon. We chose afternoon because we thought, thought that that's the easiest time for most people. They're coming off work. They're going home. They don't have to figure out where to keep their stuff all day at work. So it's just try to make it as convenient as possible. We go. We set up. Um, I have just a couple pictures here from what that looks like. Here's one of this is more of our springtime uh, setup. So you can see there we just stack it up and then people come and we help them build their box. Um, I'm really, <laughs> I tell you, I said I'm a videographer. I am highly, my brain like functions on the creative side, not on the nuts and bolts side very well. So <laughs> being in charge of the marketing and the accounting for the farm is like learning a whole new part of my brain. Um, so the accounting part is pretty rough right now. Um, we use something called Square, and that's how we process payments. So we can take credit card and check or cash, and we keep a basic track. And then we'll continue to learn, and, and I'm going to continue building my understanding of how that works. Because like Alan said, right now, our parents are sponsoring us very much in this area. So we're not making a living off of it. Just want to make a point on that. So the 20000 was the initial investment. Since then, the farm has been covering its own expenses. It hasn't been paying us, but it's been covering its own costs and expenses, which is great. So they're not well, they're investing their time and energy, but as far as the financial side goes, that's no longer the case. Yeah. So that's kind of the payment part. Oh, quick word on marketing. Um, you have nine minutes perfect. We can do this. Marketing. Um, Foodies tell foodies about food. Okay? This is, this is a wonderful thing about being part of the foodie club. Um, and that's how exactly how it's worked in our situation. Uh, we started out, actually Alan started it out very small, just by catering to the co-workers at my dad's office, because my dad happens to work with a bunch of foodies. So, you know, it works great. So that's how it started out. And well, those foodies started telling other foodies about this, and then as it just started growing. So every, every customer, client, farm friend that we have has come by word of mouth. Just, oh, there's this people, and there's this people. And you know what? Because we're the only people doing it, it kind of, it's like, what? You can actually get organic produce without having to drive two hours? It's like, hallelujah, you know, Walmart, you know, just, um, so, so, you know, they come in, they're like, well, we heard about this from, because a friend of us told, and told us about it, and then we showed up here, and so that's how it works. Um, and we believe that that this is something that the Lord has called us to, and that as we keep being faithful in it, the Lord does the marketing for us. Um, in fact, it was really fun. Um, this, this season, I get an email 
from the newspaper in the town that we serve. It's probably, how many? 35,000 people in the town. And I get an email from the, from the lady at the Ardmore, right? It's what it's called. And she's like, hey, I heard about you. I'd like to come and run a story on your farm. Okay, well, you know, right now is really not a good time to come because it was the dead of summer. And if any of you know about farming in the dead of summer in Oklahoma, it's pretty, it's just, you know, it's rough. It's rough stuff. Farming in the dead of summer is like equivalent to farming in the dead of winter, in my opinion. But anyways, so we had her come the end of September um, when, when our family was kind of all back together and things were looking a little more put together. Um, and it was just great. And the, she ran the article in the, she ran this, um, she ran this full page article in the front page of the uh, lifestyle thing. We didn't pay for it at all. I mean, it's just something that she wanted to do as part of the community. And we had people coming in. Well, first of all, all of our farm friends, you know, if you have the opportunity to do CSA, I highly recommend it. Yes, it's stressful. But all of a sudden, you have friends that are rooting for you and that love you and that love your food. And so we're getting texts like all Sunday morning, hey, we saw your article in the paper. We saw the article in the... These are all of our farm friends texting us just as excited about it as we were. Um, and so that's a blessing. People will share. And as, as you're doing what the Lord calls you to do, the Lord provides for your needs in more ways than you can imagine. Um, Sure. So I think that about covers everything. Did you talk enough about the how we grow the 30-inch beds and the? Yeah, I I was kind of like, ah, it's like 10, 10 minutes. You know, how do you cover that? So I just kind of gave a brief overview. But we do very intensive cropping. Uh, we try to get somewhere between three to four crops per square foot of ground. Now, as you continue to expand your farm. Um, the fertility issue comes into place, especially nitrogen, and how do you get that in, in, in a form? So uh, I heard someone mentioning 711. You know, any organic fertilizer is a very finicky fertilizer. Usually those analyses are not true. I did an analysis on 711, and it's not a 711, it's a 644. So there's a big variance within those numbers, and that can make a huge difference because when you're applying fertilizer, Anyways, nitrogen, that's a big deal. So um, as we grow bigger, we're hoping to do more cover cropping, but right now um, we're having to use things, even though I don't like to use it, things like blood mill and some of these animal products, because they are 1200, they're not going to mess up with your other levels. Um, so um, as we grow, we're going to hopefully move more into that, but we do a Elliott Coleman model foot footpath, 30 inch beds, that works great. You can walk over them. Um, I do have a complaint about the footpath. I think it's too small. So I we're working on a compromise, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm very, uh, I, because we have so many rocks on our soil, I'm very regretful to put any more space into footpaths um, because of that. But hopefully in the future, we will be able to have more land and hopefully change that up a bit. Um, Can I mention one other quick thing? Sure. So in case you didn't catch it, the name of our farm is Better Together Farm. Sure. Um, and we came to that name because... We truly believe that it's better together. It's better together as a family. And what's the really neat thing about the dynamics that we're able to have is that my mom's parents, our grandparents, work with us multiple times a week to help us farm. Um, I think I have a picture of it. Well, here's our wash house. And you can see my grandma and my grandpa just a little bit back there. They're at our house every market day. 
and my grandpa is involved. He's in his late 70s. He's out there. He works harder than I do. I'm just like, boy, I'm in trouble. Um, but he's, he's there helping. My grandma feeds us. She's in the kitchen and, like, amazing meals. And so if you have the ability, this part that we're so excited about farming with is it, it gives us the ability to do things together. Now, we're not all, like, chained to each other and, like, doing everything together, you know. But we're involved together, and it's like, hey, can you take care of that, and I'll get that, and you know, and then all this, it's, you know, it's teamwork. And so it's teaching us to learn how to relate to each other, but then also the experience of being able to work with your grandparents is like, and your parents, don't get me wrong, parents are awesome too, but like grandparents, there's so much wisdom and understanding, and they're just, so yeah, that's, that's a really neat aspect about, and if, young people, if you can have more than two children, Please have more than two children. <laughs> Farming is not fair with two children, you know, so not to future generations. Okay, so we're going to just take the last three minutes and do some questions and answers. If anyone has any, yes, sir. Uh, jackhammer. And we just, we just broke it off the top, get it down a foot and a half, and then cover it up. That's all you can do. Okay, any more questions? Yes. Okay, what did we do with that big rock? We jackhammered it. It's the only thing you can do. You can't go down and get those mile-long stones out, even though you'd like to. Of course, if you did, you'd have to fill it up with dirt. But, yes. Over? Um, we, we restricted uh, to 15, uh, tw 20 members in our CSA, and then uh, we grew for double that. Okay? In one-seventh of an acre, that's still pretty good. But, um, you know, we, we found that... Are you asking about how we make sure that we don't run out or that they don't like order what other people should be ordering? Well, yeah, yeah, I, I just think yeah, it's early bird gets the worm. It's based on inventory. So as people order, inventory goes out of stock. They don't know what they're and missing. And if you get on there late, it's, you don't see the item. So you can only order what's still in stock. Okay, so that question was on our farm CSA, our farm pick, where people actually pick their own and pick their own boxes. What do we do? How do we make sure that we don't run out and have even amounts for everyone? It's early bird gets the worm, and it's actually worked really well, to tell you the truth. Yes? They can go over $15. That's just a minimum. Sorry. So, um, yeah, go ahead. People do the math. How do they make sure that they don't, how do they make sure they stay within the $15? They're not required to stay within the $15. That's just the base that they must order. And actually, if they don't order that much, then it's their loss because they've paid us at the beginning of the season. Does that make sense? We, we try to help people order more than $15. Most people are like, oh, $15, and that's what they, people are really good at doing math. Help us all. But yeah, that's how it works. Uncle John. Thank you so much. Does that give you hope in the future of agriculture in our church? Thank you all. And, and again, they're going to be around for more questions that you have, which I'm sure you do. Larry, why don't you come up and you can be setting up. And while you do that, I just want to make one comment. You know, Alan talked about parents investing 20000 and that's wonderful. And to some of you, you're thinking, wow, that's a lot of money. Um, I, I won't name the college, but somebody was just telling me recently that uh, tuition at one of our colleges this year was 27500 for one year. For one year. So I let you 
um, come to your own conclusions, but I, I admire the Silers for investing in their children's future. And yes, they may not be making money yet, but at least they're not going 20,000 more into the hole every year. Do we have any other questions while they're getting this ironed out? I appreciate this young man. I don't even know his name, but um, thank you so much for seeing a need and stepping in. Any other questions for Alan and, and Aubrey? Where did they go? They can answer more questions while we're waiting. To... Yeah, so what happens when they go over that $15? So here's what happens. Because they pay in advance, we take $15 off every week. They only pay the excess at market. So say somebody orders $15.50, which that's a very popular number. We're trying to figure out how to help people order more than $15. Um, but anyways, if they pay $15.50, they only give me two quarters when they come to market. And they walk out with a couple bags of produce. Makes them feel pretty good, actually. It's pretty funny how it works. Okay, we'll save the questions. We'll get right into Larry. Larry Lesher is, well, he'll tell you who he is. My name is Larry Lesher. I run, I'm the steward at Eastward Gardens. Um, I say it that way because the Lord blessed us with a garden, and it's his garden. Me and my wife are the, the two people that work on the farm. Um, you'll see a picture of her later. And I'm actually kind of amazed. She works a full-time job. Alan asked the question, which is a very pertinent question, how does this happen? And if you have um, read the epistles of Paul, then you understand that the Christian walk is a walk of faith, perseverance, and sacrifice. And if you're going to farm, the first thing you've got to settle in your mind is that you're called, and if you're called, you don't have to worry about anything because God will make the way. It does not mean he's going to make the way the way you think the way should be made. Um, and I, I say it with all seriousness because when I started farming, I'll give you a little background of who I am. I grew up as a punk rock skateboarder. I can remember distinctly wishing that most of the world was concrete so that I could skateboard on it. And I mean, I grew up in Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky. My dad hunted and fished, and so I was very out and outdoors. I was outdoorsy and, and very athletic and didn't like to be in the house much, but I don't think I liked gardening. I, don't, I didn't have any experience in gardening, quite honestly. And so to go from in this lifestyle of touring around the world with punk rock bands and, and riding skateboards professionally, there's a certain subculture within those groups that, that are very health conscious. And I, was, I grew up with a, in a family with an alcoholic father and... Um, my, most of my family smoked and drank, and, and um, I did not like that. And I decided early on I would never put my children through what I had to go through. And so I had sort of chosen a healthful route in, in, a, in a worldly sense. And um, 
learned about GMOs, learned about environmental impacts of what was going on with industrial agriculture, and decided, you know, I needed to make some lifestyle choices and changes in order to, to facilitate, you know, health. Health for me, health for the planet, health for my neighbors. And as that process happens, it's amazing what God will do to the human mind if, if it makes good choices, even though they may be selfish choices or they may be motivated from some total other source, he blesses that. And so understand that when you come to agriculture, you don't have to come from a family of you know, 14 years of farming or, or even a season of farming behind them. I, I, I became healthy and I became a vegetarian and then I became a vegan and I met my wife and we became Christians together. And we, she was in the, in the School of Nursing at the University of Louisville. And we ended up, she didn't want to do nursing the way nursing happens today. She wanted to, to help heal people. She wanted to help heal them before they were sick. She wanted to help people to, to have a quality of life. And she wanted to actually have an engagement with people that was meaningful and not just, you know, sign a sheet, here's your pills, and walk out the door. And so we ended up at a school called Bastyr University in Washington State, which is a naturopathic school that she got her master's in nutrition at. Now, I'll tell you, my wife is the one with the degrees. I graduated high school with a, a grade point average of a 2.0. If you have any idea what that means, <laughs> it's not promising. Um, but I kind of feel blessed because I don't feel like I kind of got the education the world intended me to get. And I was able to sort of teach myself how to learn a lot of what Alan is kind of going through in a better way. He's, he's learning how to reason from cause to effect on his own, you know, with his parents' guidance. And so as I started learning those things, I realized I needed to grow my own food because I quite honestly didn't trust people with my food. Um, you heard the first presentation, you heard many presentations. You can go buy an organic piece of produce and realize real quick that the process in which that was grown, while it's better, with unequivocally better, you're not going to be eating the same types of pesticides and you're not going to be eating the same types of poisons. You're still eating poisons, but they're at least measurably better poisons. Can you say that? They only slightly kill, they kill you less fast. Um, and so I realized real quick that if, if I wanted to truly get into healing and wholeness and restoration for me and humanity, that I needed to make a, a choice of doing this myself. And so that's how I became a farmer. When we went out there for her to get her master's, I didn't have a job, so I said, I'm going to intern on an organic farm. So I interned on an organic farm, and I realized if this guy can do this, I can do this. And we started a farm in Washington, and it was a very successful farm. We did really, really well. And if you know anything about soils, the San Joaquin Valley, or I'm sorry, Snoqualmie Valley, I'm in the wrong area of the world, the Snoqualmie Valley in, outside of Seattle, Washington, it's very hard not to succeed at agriculture. I, they have, in the valley we were in, they estimate we have about 20 feet of topsoil. Whatever that means, I can't even really explain what that really means. But it just isn't that difficult to grow food there. And so we did very, very well, and you could sell everything you grew. The first year we were a farm, we did $73,000 worth of income. The next year we did 120000 And I think that farm now, I left, obviously I've left that farm, but the people that I 
started the business with are in the ballpark of around $300,000 a year. Um, and I think they take home a large portion of that. So that's where I started. We, got, we became Adventist in the process of this. And I won't, it's a, an amazing story, but it's for another time. But we got a call to the Black Hills Health and Education Center for my wife to run the dietetics department and for me to run the, the farming side of that. After we um, were there for three years, we decided it's, it's hard to call you to this when I've never put my money where my mouth is. I get a paycheck whether I succeed or fail. And so we bought a piece of land in southern Indiana, and I, we, didn't, we had $8,000 in the bank. I don't know if you've ever bought a piece of property, but having $8,000 in the bank and moving to a place where you have no jobs is not how you buy anything that costs anything where you want to get a loan to do that. But um, people just started showing up with money and said, we, we want you to do this. We went to our bank, and they kind of laughed at us. And then another person said, well, go to this farm credit bureau. And they said, yes, this is what we do. We loan to farmers. And we understand farmers are a unique people group, and so we loan with the idea that you're a farmer, and we understand that land produces money, and so we will invest in your property with you. And they gave us a loan. Now, I don't recommend you do that foolishly. Our payment for our property is $465 a month. It's cheaper than our rent could ever be. We have 16 and a half acres. It's never been farmed with a GMO, one of the criteria that I had. We weren't looking for a, a place with a house, but it, it has a beautiful house on it. And so the Lord led my mom to this piece of property because she was praying, and the Lord said, you go look. And he showed her this piece of property, and she said, I think I might have found something for you. And, and that's how we wound up where we're at. In a nutshell, the Lord worked it all out. Um, so we have a piece of property. By the way, our property taxes are $300 a year. So if you're looking for good, you know, opportunities, southern Indiana has them. Um, so we bought this piece of property, and you can see that's, that's the front. I'm standing basically at the road looking at our house. The heart, our house is in those trees, and our ministry, when I say that I have a farm, I want you to understand that our farm is a ministry. It, it's, it's a business. We have to be economically viable. But the first and foremost portion of it is, is it won't be economically viable if I don't approach it from God's model and I don't approach it with the reverence that God has assigned to this work. And understand that this work is reverent work. Um, we are responsible for what we feed people with. I, the first time I ever did a farmer's market... I grew this food with this gentleman, and, and we went to the market, and this young lady came up with her child, and it dawned on me that they were relying on me. They were trusting me with the inherent nature of fueling them, of feeding them, of, of sustaining their lives, and she was trusting me not only with her life, but with her child's life, that he, this child was going to be nourished and healthful and have the ability to think well. And it dawned on me then that it wasn't just for that child to be able to go out and, and be a productive human being, but it was that they would have the mind that could hear the Holy Spirit. Whether they understood, that's what was happening. But that it was more conducive for them 
to come into contact with God and to be able to reason with God that they might come into relationship with God. And so understand what we're doing is profound. It is not a little thing. So what we've done and what, I, what we do on our farm is we have a CSA. We do farmer's markets and traditionally we've sold to restaurants. But I'll tell you what happened when we came to our farm. When we came to our farm, that was our intention and our goal. That's what we had always done. I told you it was very easy in S Seattle area. South Dakota, not so easy, but it was already a functioning farm, so there was fertility. It was a fairly functioning farm. When we came to this land, it had been hayed for 15 years with um, no inputs. So you could imagine when I got my soil analysis back, I'll give a plug here. I called Bob Gregory, and I said, Bob, nothing will grow on my farm. I am... Uh, you know, a little distressed and concerned. And uh, I went and took his class and learned a thing or two about soil science. Do you know how you have faith? When you do that, which you can't see, right? Like, I believe this will support my weight, this chair. But until I go sit on the chair, I haven't exhibited, I haven't acted on my faith that that chair will support me. And so... I called Bob and I said, Bob, this is my situation. He said, come down. I came down, went through the process, and, and I had to actually then take what I had learned and apply it. I had to actually do it. I meet a lot of people who go through this, this sort of intellectual activity, but it never manifests in reality, the application. I mean, you can know how to build a chair, but if you never build a chair, it's useless information. And so we have to not just be willing to sit in this place and learn, but you then have to take this and go home and apply it. Because I'll tell you right now, in Genesis, you see there, right? And the Lord God planted a garden. How did God create the world? He spoke and it was done. He spoke it into existence. How did he generate the first garden? You think about that. He didn't just speak this garden into existence. God did what he's calling us to do. You ever thought about that? And it was, and catch this, it was eastward in Eden. Eden is not a garden. There's a garden in Eden. And it's eastward. Did you catch our name? I don't think we're going back to the Garden of Eden, but I believe that the world will be restored as unto the Garden of Eden. You can't improve on perfection. And so if we're going to a perfect world, the garden in which we're coming into will be Eden restored. And I am headed that way, Lord willing. And there he put man who he formed. He was making a suggestion about what he thought was the best way in which to bring man into a knowledge of who he was. That a perfect being, an unfallen being, his mind could still be improved. And that's the suggestion he's made to the world as I see it. And so, 
when you come into a place and, and it doesn't work the way you're used to it working, you have a couple of choices. You can give up and go home and say, okay, I'll go get a job. In my case, you have a wife who has a master's in nutrition and she can get a job. And you, I, my, my wife puts in 40 hours a week at her job in four days. And I don't think her enough. She comes home after 40 hours a week and she puts in about 30 or 40 hours on the farm. And I'm telling you, better together. We're better together. I can't wait till she's home all the time. So we've struggled. We had a, um, a car accident where she had a, if anyone here knows what a distal dislocation is, we were in a car wreck, a head-on collision at 50 miles an hour, and no one in the car got hurt. Children, family in the back seat, me and her in the front seat, except for her. She, she broke her wrist in three places right here, and, and her hand looked like it went like this. And it was horrible looking, and, you know, you have to hold it together. And it was in the middle of the first year of us farming. And the Lord, we don't have health insurance, but we have car insurance because we're mandated by law to have car insurance. And I don't want to get into this story because it's a whole other story. But so we started this farm, and we implemented what Bob shared with us. And the Lord blessed, in spite of the soil's conditions, we grew really wonderful carrots and really wonderful salad mix. I've always grown specialty salad mix, and, and it, those two things did really well the first year, and so we survived. And um, it's interesting, when you walk by faith, things just happen. Amen. I would go to the, the, you know, we didn't make enough money each month to pay the bills through the winter. And I walk out to the, the uh, mailbox and it would never cease to amaze me that uh, somehow money would show up. People were just like, I was thinking about you, the Lord impressed me, we need to give you a, a gift. We want to help you out. We heard that you had an accident. We heard that, you know, whatever they heard, I, you know, we weren't asking for it. We never mentioned it, you know, we were really in that big of a struggle. And so I guess I should move forward here. We use what's called a a spader. Um, the Lord blessed us with with the ability to acquire the equipment that we needed to use to do farming on on about three and a half. We farm six acres, and we farm three at a time. We have three that are in cover crop and three that are in production. Um, we use a spader to break the ground. It's a it's a tool that doesn't leave a smear or a plow pan. It it leaves a nice tilt in the soil. It turns things under really well. I had purchased a, an Alice Chalmers G um, a few years before that we used for cultivating and seeding. And then at the very top here, that is a Perfecta II, which is basically a type of chisel plow with a leveler bar and a roller cage behind it. And that's how we make our seed beds, or our, our, our bed system is a five foot on center bed with about a 40 inch bed top, roughly. And so that's how we, we grow things on our farm. Um, we, we decided right away that this farm, while it was depleted, it was not as contaminated as a lot of farms are with GMO potentials and, and things of that nature. And so 
we decided we're doing our own, we built our own start mix from the ground up. And um, the top left were green sand and different things that I've put together to create some minerals to put into our starts mix. And so we started our own starts mix. We have started our compost pile and, and we use that to build our starts mix. We don't use that stuff on the, the field. We just don't have the volume and it's hard to control as Alan was saying. You only get in a compost what you put into a compost. And so you need to, to make sure that you're balancing these minerals and not just putting in a shotgun effect and hoping for the best. We want to be intelligent about our farming. And so we decided that, that we were going to take that approach. One of the approaches that we decided was we weren't going to use anything that comes from GMO sources. And that meant no manures because if you get a an organic chicken manure. Realize that came out of a probably a KFC hormone-laden. They take that, they compost it, and now it's certified for organic use. And I didn't think that was really suitable for my moral standards. Um, not only did we do, did make that decision, but we realized that um, a lot of the things that you would use to nitrogen sources, for instance, were off the table because we can't use soybeans. We can't use anything with corn in it. We can't use anything with canola or cotton. Or, so a lot of the choices were off the table, and it has become quite a, it was quite an endeavor to get that right. So we had some serious hurdles to overcome. So we've been working on that. We've come really close. I feel really good about where we've gotten with that. I don't want to give you the idea that, that you should repeat what I've done, um, but I have some working knowledge of how to work towards that. that. If you're interested, you can see me. And we can talk about what I've experimented with. We had to put in a lot of infrastructure. And when my wife is gone and I'm the only one on the farm, the tractor becomes the other person that holds up the things that need to happen. So I've, I've built a lot of things. Ingenuity becomes key. I'll tell you, if you're going to farm, you will become a mechanic, a builder, a farmer, a scientist. A, the list goes on and on and on. And when you're on a farm alone you get even more ingenuitive and you, you have to make things work if you're going to succeed. And so practical hands-on knowledge is priceless. And so we implement a lot of practical knowledge. Um, this year, we had a little more success. Things grew a lot better as the minerals started to disperse and they started to break down and, and make their you know, chemistry happens over time. Chemicals have to come into contact with chemicals. Things have to happen in order for that process to sort of manifest itself. And so we're starting to see a much better um, outcome. I can't give you numbers, but I can tell you that we were averaging last year about $250 a market. And this year we're averaging about $450 a market. Now, I got to tell you how humbling that is for me. When we were in Seattle, we were doing four farmers markets, an 83-person CSA, and 18 restaurants, and we were averaging at a, a market. If we didn't make a thousand dollars at a market on average, we left the market because it wasn't economically worth it for us to be there. Most markets we were making about fifteen hundred dollars in four hours. And so that's the sort of economics that I was thinking. And this was like, no, this is going to be different. Now, I think the potential is there for that still, even in, we, we work out of Louisville. 
And so I do believe that the marketing potentials for this type of growing hasn't even begun to be tapped. Um, this is some stuff that came out of the garden last year. Now, that potato is a beautiful potato. I mean, that's just a spectacular-looking potato, but I don't think it's supposed to look that way. I understand there's probably some deficiencies in the soil that was causing that. And I couldn't tell you exactly what they are, but I'm guessing potassium is probably one of them. I haven't planted potatoes since then to see what they're going to look like now, but I have a feeling they're going to look a lot different. That's a blue potato. It's supposed to be blue, but it's supposed to be a little blue all the way through. I want to give you a picture. This is purple carrots that we grew and some orange carrots. That's our salad mix. The one at the top here, this one here, we do what's called a non-spicy. That's, not, that's our, our base mix. That's what we make. Can you imagine... Anyone want to take a guess how many different lettuces are in there? There's nine lettuces. There's a bunch of other stuff. It's, I, I love building salad mixes. It's an art, I think. And um, you have textures and colors, and it's just a wonderful way to, to play with food. The bottom one here, I don't know if you, it doesn't, doesn't look as good on that screen as my screen. But that one is uh, our spicy mix. It's got mustards and cress and different things like that we put in it. And um, so the harvest was, was pretty good this year. I was happy in the direction we're headed. This is sort of what we do now. This is what our farm stands look like. Um, this is a CSA box. My wife started, and as we build the box, she took a photo, and that's how the building of our CSA box looks like. And um, it's been remarkable. I have uh, one testimonial here real quick, and then we'll close. Most of the people that we um, have in our CSA, this year we did 15, or 12, we have 12 people in our CSA program. Five of them we gave for free. Seven of them were paying. Most of them were family members that paid. All of them that got a free box were family members. My uncle would come every week and we would talk about things and I never talked to my uncle. I don't even know why he got the CSA box. He likes me. I, you know, I, I, he's my uncle and he likes me and so he bought a CSA box. And I spent more time with him because of the CSA program than I think I've ever spent with him in my whole life. I didn't think he would sign up again next year but his wife came and picked up their last CSA box. Our last CSA box was Tuesday. And he said, send us an email next year. We want to sign up again. This has been wonderful. And I was like, wow. I, I really did not expect that. We have this engagement with people, as I mentioned before, but I, it's just really starting to dawn on me in the last three years or so what it means for the customer's side to be able to come and look in my eyes, have an open invitation to my farm, and know that they can trust me and know how I grow and know what I do and the choices that I make because I care about them before I know them. And they feel that. They know that. And you have no idea. Man, you guys grow the best salad mix I've ever had. I don't, I can't, I'm ruined. I can't go get salad mix anywhere else. Praise, and this is, this is praise the Lord. And they go, 
Praise the Lord. Who says praise the Lord? You know, praise the Lord. Isn't God good? Who are these people? You know, you have such an opportunity to infuse this into people's lives without them knowing. Is time up? So, we're Eastward Gardens. And I hope that as this is, I hope it encourages you to, to feel like you can step out and do this as well. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunities to serve you. Lord, we thank you that you put us in the garden. Lord, if we're not in the garden, I thank you that we're here or we're online or we have the DVDs. So we're interested. Your spirit is moving. Father, help us not just to be hearers of your word, but help us to be doers. Help us, Lord, we were willing to be made willing. And so, Father, I pray that you would, as has already been done, Lord, you've already defeated the foe. You've, you've already destroyed this adversary, but take the fear out of our heart to know that if you have called us and you have called us, that you will make the way. Strengthen us, Lord, that our hands might be your hands on this earth, that your work might be done as on earth as it is in heaven. And that, Lord, we know that this whole process is about healing the mind that we could be partakers with you, that we might find ourselves sitting at your banquet table. Lord, help us to be that light in this world that needs to be, that we might close up the business of exemplifying who you are in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Larry. I know you have questions. Um, look him up. Look any of the presenters up. We now have a little bit of a break between now and um, the hands-on demonstrations. Of course, you've got to fit lunch in there. But we, we tried to give time for people who are preparing lunch. But one note, after lunch is the hands-on demonstrations. Look closely at your maps because four of them are, the locations are shown on your maps. Okay, the one that is not shown is the farm-made tools and contraptions and that will be on the opposite end of the field from the irrigation demonstration. Okay, and, and then the other thing I just want to say, I mentioned this last night, there's a BCS dealer here, uh, local, and he is, has some equipment. I would encourage you, any of you who are interested in market farming, to spend some time talking to him, because if you're starting small scale, a, a walking tractor, as they call them, a BCS, is much more economical than trying to purchase a big tractor. So even though it's a few thousand dollars, it's, it's a much cheaper way to go. So see what he's got, learn from him, and God bless you. This media was brought to you by Audioverse. 
a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.